Well, hey, everyone, I'm glad that you are joining us as we have finally made it to the end of our series, Heart of the Maverick, where we have been looking at the heart and life of King David. And I hate that you're not able to be with us in person this morning. Maybe you're traveling. Maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe you just live really far away. But I would encourage you, man, try to be in your location next Sunday. You're going to get to hear from all of your location pastors before we start a new series. But getting too far ahead, we're going to hold that off till next week. Today, we got a lot to cover at the end here of David's life. And it all starts back with what we talked about last week. Last week, we saw what was probably the darkest moment, the darkest days of David's life. David, though he has a heart after God, still has a very human, very flawed heart, and he falls into sin. He has adultery with Bathsheba. He has her husband murdered uh, to cover it up. And then ultimately, he has to face the consequences of that sin from a holy God. Those consequences are wrecking consequences, right? Uh, The baby that Bathsheba had died. David's family is broken and in turmoil. Personally, David has a broken heart. Emotionally, he is depressed and distraught. And even politically, he starts to lose his firm grip on the kingdom. And I think it's really important for us to note that because if you look like at the first part of David's story, right, it seems like a fairy tale. Too good to be true. Shepherd boy, kills a giant, becomes king. But man, this last half of David's story is brutally honest. The Holy Spirit does not allow the scriptures to cover up David's sin. It doesn't even minimize David's sin, and it doesn't hide the broken family that his sin left behind. And I think that's such a strong argument for the truthfulness of the scriptures that we have in our hands. But as we round out the story of David's life today, I think you need to be familiar at least with with the chief antagonist in this season of David's life, and that is David's son, Absalom. Now, I don't know why Absalom is not a more well-known character in the Old Testament. He's massively important in the life of David, but it seems to be a guy that most people don't know a lot about. What you need to know about Absalom is that Absalom was one of David's sons who became enraged with David when he found out that his half-brother Amnon had forced himself on his sister Tamar. So after this happens with Amnon and Tamar, for two years, Absalom plots to kill Amnon, and he finally does. And as a result of his actions that he took, avenging his sister, he's forced to flee the country. And as he flees for the country, he he begins to plot. He begins to surround himself with the right people. He begins to hold audiences with people back in Jerusalem and in the nation of Israel. And he begins to really gather power and begin a rebellion that would ultimately drive David from his throne. I don't know if you knew that about King David, but in the latter years of his life, his son literally rose an army against him and drove David out of Jerusalem from his throne so that for the second time in David's life, he has to go on the run and into hiding. Now, after Absalom had successfully dethroned David, sent him packing, uh, what we see is that David still loves Absalom. 
And really, reading the text, it seems that David is content to not take up a sword against his son and to stay in the wilderness for the rest of his life. However, that wouldn't be the case. Eventually, David, this exiled king, would win his throne back, and it happened in a really weird way. Joab, remembers David's cousin, his military leader, killed Absalom after Absalom was riding a mule coming to David's army, and he gets his hair caught in a tree while riding on the mule. And so Joab comes, sees him hanging from this tree and kills him. Now, when word gets back to David, David's brokenhearted. Yes, this was a rebel king, but it was his son. David had found some contentedness hanging out in the wilderness, but now David is grieved. He's brokenhearted. And what we see happen is that after a period of grieving, Joab says, man, David, you got to man up. You got to quit grieving. You got to quit pouting. You need to go back and take your throne because the people need a king. And that's where we pick up our reading today. In 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 14, read a couple of these verses with me. 2 Samuel 19, verse 14 says, So he, David, won over all the men of Judah, and they unanimously sent word to the king, Come back, you and all your servants. Right? So here's David. He's been in exile. Word gets out that Absalom is defeated, that David is coming back, and the people say, Come. Come back, bring your soldiers, bring your servants, bring your people. And in verse 15, it says, Then the king returned. When he arrived at the Jordan, Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and escort him back across the Jordan. So what we see here is as David begins his march back to his throne, as the king returns, word gets ahead and people come to meet him where he crosses the Jordan River into Gilgal. Now, this is an important place in the nation of Israel. This is where the nation of Israel first crossed the Jordan to come into the promised land. And here is the king returning, crossing the Jordan coming into the promised land. But what I want to spend our time talking about here today are the three specific characters we are told that comes to meet David after he re-enters the kingdom. There's three of them. Their names are going to be maybe familiar, maybe not, but it's Shimei, Mephibosheth, and Barzillai. And this all happens in 2 Samuel chapter 19. So if you would, let's just kind of read through it and look at these three characters and then draw some final conclusions about David's heart. Here's what we read about Shimei in chapter 19, starting in verse 16. It says, Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Baharim, hurried with the men of Judah to meet King David. And there were a thousand men from Benjamin with him, Zeba, an attendant from the house of Saul, with his 15 sons and 20 servants, also rushed down to the Jordan ahead of the king. They forded the Jordan to bring the king's household across and do whatever the king desired. When Shimei, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell face down before the king and said to him, My lord, don't hold me guilty and don't remember your servant's wrongdoing on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king not take it to heart, for your servant knows that I I've sinned, but look today, I am the first one of the entire house of Joseph to come down to meet my Lord, the King. And Abishai, son of Zeruai, asked, well, shouldn't Simei be put to death for this? Because he cursed the Lord's anointed. And David answered, sons of Zeruai, do we agree on anything? Have you become my adversary today? Should any man be killed in Israel today? Am I not aware that today I'm king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, you will not die 
And then the king gave him his oath. So this story in a vacuum may not mean a lot to you, but there's a lot of context here that when you understand it makes the point of this particular meeting very impactful. See, Shimei is not first introduced to us in 2 Samuel chapter 19. Matter of fact, we first meet Shimei when David and his loyal servants are on the run from Absalom, fleeing Jerusalem and the country. And as David and his men were fleeing the country, Shimei and his friends gathered around them and began to curse them, to hurl insults at them, to go so far as to pick up rocks and throw it at them and saying, you're no longer the Lord's anointed. There's too much blood on your hands. He really made a mockery of King David as he left. And so now when David comes back, as Absalom has been defeated, uh, Shimei runs to the Jordan River, falls face down and says, David, don't hold that against me. I'm sorry. David, I didn't mean it. I take it all back. And Abishai, one of the guys who probably caught a few of those rocks says, well, David, you should put him to death for what he did to you. He cursed you. He sided with the enemy. He humiliated you. And David instead says, no, I'm going to show him mercy. I'm going to show him mercy because today I'm back in the land. Today I'm the king again. No one is going to die today. So here's Shimei who curses the king, falls face down, and he is shown mercy. The second character, Mephibosheth. Keep reading. Uh, We read this in verse 24. It said, Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet, trimmed his mustache, or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. And when he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked, Mephibosheth, why didn't you come with me? My lord, the king, he replied, my servant Ziba betrayed me. Actually, your servant said, I'll saddle the donkey for myself so that I may ride it and go with the king, for your servant is lame. And Ziba slandered your servant to my lord the king, but my lord the king is like the angel of God, so do whatever you think is best. For my grandfather's entire family deserves death from my lord the king, but you set your servant among those who eat at your table, so what further right do I have to keep on making appeals to the king? And the king said to him, Why keep speaking on about these matters of yours? I hereby declare you and Ziba are to divide the land. And Mephibosheth said to the king, Instead, since my lord the king has come to his palace safely, let Ziba take it all. So, again, Mephibosheth may be a little bit more familiar to you than Shimei, but that's because we talked about him a few weeks ago. If you remember, Mephibosheth was Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son. Jonathan was David's best friend, who David chose to show mercy to because of his love for Jonathan. He brought in Mephibosheth, who was lame and had a disability. He brought him into his house, said, you're going to live in the palace. You're going to eat at my table. And he treated Mephibosheth as one of his sons. But when time came for David to flee Jerusalem, Mephibosheth wouldn't go with him. Matter of fact, he says, David, I would have went with you, but that servant Ziba wouldn't take me. And in truth, Ziba did go to David and he supplied him with many supplies and said, hey, the reason Mephibosheth said he's not coming is because he's glad you're gone. His his father and grandfather, Saul, are now going to get back all the land that their family lost and that Mephibosheth was excited about what was happening to David. He was glorying in it. And Mephibosheth says, no, no, none of that was true. It doesn't, that's not true at all. I, I couldn't go to you because nobody would carry me. Well, David again shows mercy. 
David again shows grace. Matter of fact, I love how he says it. He says, look, I'm tired of talking about this, Mephibosheth. Ziba says one thing. Mephibosheth, you say another thing. I don't care. You divide up your inheritance and you guys take it. And so I know that had to be especially painful for David, right? Because here's Mephibosheth, who David had brought into his family, made him like one of his sons. And Mephibosheth stabs him in the back. And David still shows him mercy. The final character is different than the first two. Uh, this one was not one who had done David wrong. This was a man named Barzillai. And Barzillai, we start reading about in verse 31. It says this, Barzillai, the Gileadite, had come down from Rogalim and accompanied the king to the Jordan River to see him off at the Jordan. And Barzillai was a very old man, 80 years old, and since he was a very wealthy man, he had provided for the needs of the king while he stayed in Mahanaim. Now, this is interesting because the third guy was not somebody who had rejoiced when David was driven from the throne. Matter of fact, Barzillai made sure that while in exile, David was supplied and that he was taken care of. And so when he comes to meet David, when David enters back into the kingdom, David says, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. I mean, he says, what do you want? Come with me, Barzillai. Come to the palace. Come let me show grace to you. Come let me show kindness to you. Come let me lavish on you. And Barzillai says, David, I'm an old man. I can't go. And so instead, they take someone else in Barzillai's place and honor him. But the point here is that David coming back into his kingdom doesn't forget who Barzillai was and what he had done for David. Now, You may look at all this and say, I mean, that's interesting history to know. That's good information to have. But why is it important? Here's what I need you to get. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's why this is important. I want you to see David's heart. In spite of all David had gone through, in spite of all David had lost, after everything David had suffered, he didn't lose his heart. Just think about this. Though Absalom had rebelled against him, David still loved Absalom greatly, would not take up his sword against him, and fiercely mourned his death. Though Shimei had cursed him, humiliated him, David gave him the benefit of the doubt at the time. Matter of fact, if you go back and read the account where Shimei cursed him, David said, maybe this is from the Lord. And then when he crossed Jordan to come back, he showed him mercy. Though Mephibosheth despised the king's kindness, stabbed him in the back, David readily extended that kindness to him again. Even Barzillai was not greeted with a jaded cynicism. Well, you did all that for me because you wanted something from me. No, Barzillai received genuine thanks from David for his actions. David was able to keep his heart in spite of all that he endured. And what I know is that when we face difficult circumstances in our life, it's our hearts that tend to go first. Our hearts grow hard. We become jaded and resentful to those around us. If you've wronged us, we don't forget. If you've betrayed us, we'll never bring you back again. And even if you do something kind for us, we're always looking for the hidden angle waiting to be hurt again. But when David went through all of this, he kept his heart right. What's, what's even more interesting to me here is that if you look back at Shimei, Mephibosheth, and even Absalom, the thing is, is that they were all technically right. 
What I mean by that is Shimei's curse against David was that David was a man of bloodshed. He was right. That's exactly why the Lord said that David wasn't going to be the one to build the temple because there was too much blood on his hands. Mephibosheth was right about Ziba. Ziba had come to David and told David that Mephibosheth said this. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but Mephibosheth was right that Ziba went without him going behind his back. And Absalom, to be very honest, had some really valid reasons for rising against David. The least of those was not the fact that he defended his sister's honor that started all of this. But what's obvious, at least in my mind, is that while these guys were technically right, their hearts were wrong. Absalom may have been technically right in some of the things he didn't said, but in his heart, Absalom craved power. Shimei might have been right about David having blood on his hands, but he was cruel, picking up rocks, throwing them, insulting the king. And Mephibosheth might have been right about Ziba going behind his back, but look, it's not hard to see. Mephibosheth was deflecting blame every way he looked and would never own up to his own faults. And I think far too often it seems that we're content with ourselves being right We justify our actions and reactions on the basis of the actions of others, but we never seem to take a step back and examine where our hearts are at in all of this. We want to justify ourselves. I'm right. I'm in the right. I did the right thing. But we never step back and ask why. We never step back and look at our hearts. So what I want you to hear as we end the series on David is that it starts in your heart. That's true for everything in your life. If there's sin in your life right now, that sin didn't just start in your hands. That sin started in your heart. Your heart had grown cold. Your heart had grown distant. Your heart had grown hard. If you want to grow closer to Jesus, it's not about building a bunch of new habits. It starts in your heart. It starts with an affection birthed in you by the work of the Spirit. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to know and follow Jesus, it starts in the heart. And I hope the one thing that you'll take away from this entire series is that your heart is important. Your heart before God is important, and you have to fight to keep it in spite of the circumstances of life. I think that's what we see here in 2 Samuel chapter 19. Well, there's one last thing I want to share with you before we're done with this series. See, we've said over and over again that David offers a wonderful picture of Jesus. Time and time again, we've seen David and his actions foreshadowing Jesus. And this account of David returning as a king to his throne in Jerusalem is a great example because we have a king who's been away for 2,000 years, but the day is coming where he is going to return and he's going to come again. And so maybe a good place to end is asking, how will you meet the king when he returns? Will you be remorseful like Shimei? Will you make excuses like Mephibosheth? Or will you be excited and grateful because you know that you have been working for him while he's gone, just like Barzillai? How will you meet the Lord when he returns? And remember, how you meet him, well, it all starts in your heart. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for the time that you've given us together in this series. I pray that it's caused us to step back and examine our hearts, to reflect on where we are in our relationship with you. And so, God, I ask 
that you would help us to fight for our hearts, even in spite of the rough circumstances of life, and that we would constantly be making sure that like David, we have a heart like yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.